dropping the hammer. No, you're not. All right, and welcome to the latest episode of Dropping the Hammer with Dan McFadden. I'm Dan McFadden, and typically I introduce my podcasting friend and ho- co-host, James Crow. But we also have two other guests with us today who are joining us on audio and video. For those of you who will be uh, watching on YouTube later, uh, with me is my friend Daryl Kinsey Jr. and uh, Phil Spain. Good evening, gentlemen. Evening. So, Daryl, this is your second time on our show. Um, how, how are things going at WBGR Sports? Well, things are going great right now. We just wrapped up uh, one of our most recent shows. Uh, Let's Talk Positive Life with Renair just ended about 30 minutes ago. I'm just relaxing. Uh, 2 I Tuesdays going great. Uh, everybody around here was getting their second round of COVID shots, so we did not have a shot, a show uh, this past Tuesday, just in case side effects or anything. Thankfully, I did not have any. Um, my boss was getting the Pfizer shot, which pretty much one-to-one has been giving people side effects. We just decided we'll come back next week with the show. And right now, everything's doing great. I graduate from the University of Maryland uh, May 22nd, Master's in Multi-Platform Journalism. Whoop, whoop. So everything's Congrats. going great over here. Thank you. Congratulations, man. I am uh, six days from getting my, my second shot. I'm getting it May 4th. So and I'm like I, I told you earlier, I'm bracing for at least one day of just being physically uh, close to death. Uh, <laughs> so, um, all right, Phil, first time here. You are one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter, on NASCAR Twitter. And I've been w- wanting to get you on the show at some at some point this year. And uh, I, I think uh, the reason we're going to be talking, uh, at least for the first part of this show, was a g- good as any to have you on so phil uh first off just uh tell our audience a little bit about you where you are and what's going on with you oh well thanks for having me on um basically uh see i've been a nascar fan for about 25 years or so um i have my own podcast it's called the white silk racing podcast uh you know we try to update as much as we can some weeks we have to skip and then we you know, uh, go into like, I guess, a mega episode where I do have to explain several races, but it's fine. Um, I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, so not too far from Daryl. Um, but uh, yeah, I've finished all of my uh, COVID vaccine. Uh, I had the Moderna. Wasn't too bad as far as like symptom wise, probably around hour six after I had it, I felt like I got hit by a bus, but other than that, uh, a couple hours later, I was all right. So, uh, yeah, but I'm happy to be here. Happy to, you know, I, I've been listening and watching. So oh, thank you. I'm familiar with everything. Yeah, and, and you're one of my favorite people to follow as well. So, uh, you know, it's requited you know, Facebook friends now. So that's here we are. awesome as well. So thank, thank you for the kind words. So how, how does a kid in both have you grown up, just grown up in Baltimore? Born and raised? Yeah. Yeah, I've lived here uh, basically my entire life. Uh, and I, I'm sure you guys, you know, how does a kid like me get involved in uh, yeah. NASCAR? Yeah. yeah. And um, for me, you know, when I was a little kid, my mom used to get me little matchbox cars. And, you know, it's the same way, you know, I've posted pictures and stuff on Twitter that I kind of got my daughter involved in. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, my mom used to buy me little matchbox cars and 
One day, I remember she bought a pack of Band-Aids, and the Band-Aid box came with a Dale Jarrett, uh, yeah, a little 164. It was a Thunderbird, too. That, that was the neatest thing. And that I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is somewhere, and I know it's somewhere in my mom's, uh, like, in our stuff that we have. It's not in storage or anything. It's somewhere around in the house somewhere, but... Um, I just remember liking the style of it, you know, seeing all of the sponsorships and things like that. And then finally, a couple of years later, um, I was uh, finishing up a Ravens game uh, on TV and my parents were changing the channel, stopped on ESPN for a second. And I was watching the last few laps of the uh, last North Wilkesboro race. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So that that's what got me kind of into it you know i saw jeff gordon basically being chased by dale earnhardt and you know just seeing them go around in a circle it kind of got me hooked and then from there i would uh look at like when espn classic on friday nights they used to bring on classic races and when they would do that i uh i uh, would take in all of the old daytona 500s or when they would bring on the old uh, north wilkesboro races uh and yeah, I just would study the sport, and then when, you know, it got a little bit easier when they would bring things on cable, you know, when, uh, you know, Fox got it and Speed came along, and you could still watch, you know, more practice and things like that. That yeah. really got my, you know, love sport up. And yeah, the rest is history, as they say. So so you're, you're one of the guys that's, like, in front of the TV for oh, as many practice sessions as you can get? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not as much now. I say when I was a kid, I was, but that was, you know, like I would watch final practice for I, you know, for the Daytona 500, and when that would be day before the race, and really nobody's out there, but you know, you would still just because it was some sort of NASCAR coverage, you know, you want to see the cars on the track, you want to see, you know, what everybody's up to, I, you know, watching qualified and different things like that, and hearing what's the news, whereas you know. We have a bunch of shows now, you know, you only had RPM tonight at one point. If you go back further, you know, like, you know, like Motor Week or something like that on ESPN. So, um, yeah, I was, when I was a kid, I would kind of plop myself in front of the TV for it. But now as an adult, you know, now with us being able to keep up with things on Twitter and now with no practice and qualifying, it's a little bit, you know, easier, but, uh, I would say that's what really got me hooked in how I know so much about this. And Jeff Gordon's your favorite driver, right? Correct. Yep. All-time favorite. All right. Cool. Have you, have you, how many races have you gotten to go to? Uh, let's see. Let's say four. And all of them have been at Dover. Um, we haven't, you know, we consider Dover kind of like our home track here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've thought about going to Richmond. I've also thought about going to uh, Martinsville. Martinsville is a little further down because it's closer to North Carolina than it is, you know, the Maryland side of, uh, uh, of Virginia. So, it, uh, you know, I'm hopefully going to try to get to some more and been thinking about it. And it was funny last year before everything started going on with the pandemic, my original plan for my birthday, I wanted to go to the Homestead race because it fell on that weekend or I guess the original date. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I think they ran Homestead regularly, and then it was after that. 
uh, that was my plan to go down there. But then when they, you know, started with COVID restrictions and it was just like, there's no sense in uh, spending money and, you know, for something that who knows if it'll be canceled or not. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot in doubt last year. Mm. So lots of risk. Mm. All right. So the primary reason I wanted you guys on was, of course, um, uh, the comments that Steve Phelps made uh, Sunday during a press media availability. Um, about its NASCAR stance on when it came to strict uh, voter access laws in states with it, in which it competes. But before we get to that, um, especially you, Phil, um, take me back um, to June of last year, um, the Atlanta race, when Steve Phelps got on the radio in front of a national TV audience um, with all the cars stopped on the front stretch um, and planted uh, NASCAR's flag in the corner of standing against racism, racism and racial injustice and what that moment and that message from NASCAR meant for you? Well, for me, and especially for me is growing up in the sport and not always seeing a person of color. You know, we always, you know, we had Willie T. Ribs for a few races, Bill Lester for a few races, yeah. but nobody that ever really stuck. So to see NASCAR come and say, you know, with everything that was going on and, with uh, Bubba Wallace's message of you know showing Black Lives Matter, uh, it was kind of important for me to see NASCAR do it because you know all of the other sports that I follow, you know Major League Baseball, you know NFL, uh, NBA, all of those, you know they took staunch you know support over the Black Lives Matter campaign. But whereas when you see NASCAR, you don't expect it because NASCAR is what they would consider the good old boy sport. Uh, yeah. You know, and people still, even though we all know over the last 15 to 20 years, it's gone away from that. But people still get that Im embedded in their mind. Oh, you like NASCAR? It's a, you know, I, and I don't mean this in a way, but, you know, you know, oh, that's something that white people like. You know, that was something that I would hear a lot when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, and like I would always tell people, you have to watch the sport to be able to understand it. You know, just don't kind of shy it away because it's something that I expect a person me to like. But for NASCAR to say it, it was like, oh, wow. Okay, this is giving me goosebumps, especially when they stopped the cars on the front stretch. It was like, okay, this is what I've been waiting for. This is that moment, you know, and I knew when the uh, official took the knee and he didn't do it for the purpose that everyone thought he did, but I knew that the second that he did that, they were going to, uh, you know, somebody was going to say something or take it the wrong way because every time they've seen someone take a knee, you know, oh, oh here goes another Kaepernick. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, give NASCAR a chance in this situation because this is something that they haven't been through because it's something that they have to address now that they have a person of color in the sport or at least, you know, on the top level of the sport. It was important for me, but, um, you know, I, I will say it was unexpected. I, I, you know, just thought that they would brush it off because even like when the Kaepernick thing came out and they were saying that, uh, Oh, uh, you know, somebody would be fired before we let somebody take a knee at the track or something like that. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, okay. Richard, so Richard Childress, Richard Petty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those two. And it was just like, well, 
I hate to say it, but, you know, it just felt par for the course. You know, NASCAR is not going to take a social justice stand on anything. You know, there it is. You know, they went and changed my mind at that time. So, so Daryl, what about you? I think we, we briefly talked about it uh, last time we were here, but just to, you know, refresh everyone, what, what, what your thoughts were about June 7th, 2020. I'll echo Phil's sentiments and when I and say that I was surprised when I saw them actually do something to mark the terrible thing that happened with George Floyd and the racial reckoning that was happening in this country because of it. You know, Phil and I are both African-American NASCAR fans, and there's not that many of us in the sport. So to see them actually sit there and recognize what happened there, to me it felt like we're finally turning a corner on NASCAR when it comes to race relations, because we all know it's a spotty history with the sport. Like it was already said, we've had Willie T. Ribs for a couple of races, Bill Lester for a couple of races, and a whole lot of nothing until Bubba got here. Mm -hmm. That's the state of black drivers in NASCAR. And black involvement in the sport, of course, with ownership and everything has been minimal, except for maybe pit crews. You know, when those started getting faster, then you saw more black people coming in over there. But to see NASCAR actually recognize the state of affairs when it came to race in America and mark that and to have Steve get on the microphone and say that we have to do better, it shocked me. But it also filled me with hope that as a sport, we're finally going somewhere positive on racial relations. Phil, so after after the events at Atlanta, uh, NASCAR banned the Confederate flag at the request of Bubba Wallace. And uh, then Bubba drove his Black Lives Matter car in the Wednesday night race at Martinsville. So th- those happened like, actually, I think they actually might have happened the same day. Um, like, um, so w- what did that sequence of events mean for you? Um, the sequence of events, it made me happy. One, uh, as somebody that has had friends that, you know, like I say, were kind of put off by NASCAR because they still would see the Confederate flag or they considered it, like I said earlier, the good old boy sport. Um, it meant a lot to see NASCAR finally take that stance. You know, a couple of years ago when they did the, uh, you know, where they were saying that they were going to stop having people from being able to bring it in, you know, or they, they didn't want it, you know, flying at racetrack, um, you know, that, meant it you know it meant it was a start there but they asked nicely for people not to to bring the flag that's basically what it was and they didn't they offered exchanges and then but that was the end of it so but yeah then then they finally went through it yeah and, and then when they just finally said okay we're gonna put our foot down when we allow fans to come back we don't want to see it when you guys are tailgating we're gonna be uh, going around basically doing like stings and different things like that to get these uh, <laughs> get these flags out of here. You know, that meant a lot. And then to see Bubba, same day, you know, same, same might as well say same day, uh, around the track in a Black Lives Matter car, you know, one, it was special to me, and that's why I went ahead and got the die cast and everything, mm-hmm. uh, because it's something that I stand for. And, you know, I think a lot of people get Black Lives Matter, you know, kind of messed up and, you know, they don't understand the point of it. It's not saying that, you know, all all lives don't matter because they do. We're trying to get you to understand, hey, as part of all lives matter, 
Black Lives Matter as well. So it's just like, uh, it's an important, it was an important thing from uh, a driver to say, hey, this is how we feel. You know, this is how I feel. I'm going to wear a shirt or I'm going to have a car out there that says Black Lives Matter. And uh, the thing was for me, I I felt happy about it, but at the same time, I was a little worried for Bubba because it was like, and especially you you see it more now with what he's going through. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you don't say something like that and not expect to get some sort of backlash, you know, because I remember that day pretty well. You know, I, I remember reading Twitter and, you know, we were months removed at that time from the N-word uh, uh, Larson thing. So I knew anything that basically had to do with Black Lives Matter or, you know, an African-American in particular it was going to be amped up and, and sure enough, you know, reading through the comments or, you know, reading through the hashtag of the race and all of that and people being upset because that car was out there. And I just worried for Bubba, but, you know, as he's shown, he's strong enough to take it, you know, but, you know, we don't know where it weighs on his mental health now. But, yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it was an important moment in car history, honestly. So then, then we flash forward to Talladega, um, and I, we don't have to get into the, the specifics of everything that happened at Talladega, um, but I guess just the, the sight of the garage following Bubba down pit road, I guess either one of you can, can, can take this. What, what was that specific moment for you? Felt like, okay, everyone gets it, and... We don't have to go into the whole minutia of whatever it was or was not. Look, the FBI called it what it was. So that's what we're saying it was. And we'll move on from there to see that even if it wasn't intentional, what led up to this was incredible. And it just showed that the sport was rallying around Bubba and that this new issue that we were going to deal with, he uh, he wasn't going to have to shoulder it alone and that the entire garage was going to be there behind him and support him which we all thought was going to come but we'll get into more of that a little bit later yeah and you know i i can say that i remember seeing it and it was just it was powerful and you know there was no better voice at that time than mike joy maybe if ken squire was there it might have been a little bit even more powerful but Listening to Mike Joy explain the scene of what was going on and hearing the somberness in his voice, because it was, you know, a a fresh situation uh, where we didn't know everything that we know now uh, or what we would find out days later. Um, But to see all of the guys in the garage area, whether it was drivers, crew chiefs, everybody behind you know, it made me feel like, okay, they're behind him. You know, why can't everybody else be? Why can't the fans be? Your favorite driver is walking along with him, whether it's just a show of, uh, you know, just, you know, virtue signaling or whatever it is on their end. But it was a powerful moment. You know, it was, and, you know, I'm sure somebody will get mad for me saying it, but you know, it's like the first race after 9-11. It showed that, hey, we're together and we are going to be there for our 
you know, our fraternity, bro. You know, there are only 39, 40 guys or, you know, 40 people per week that get into a race car can do this, you know. Mm -hmm. And we're going to show that when you hurt one of us, you know, you're messing with all of us. So, I mean, it was a, a, a very powerful moment. You know, it's one of those things where you say, you know, where were you when, when this yeah. happened? You know, like it, it, it's up there, you know, with some of the greatest moments, you know, in NASCAR history. And, you know, it, it depends. I'm sure it depends on who you ask and how they feel about it. But it, it was a, so, somewhat of a, a, a culture shifting moment for NASCAR. Yes. So speaking of remembering where you were when, I remember where I was when uh, 2311 became a 2311 racing became a thing. I remember when that press release dropped. Um, what were you guys doing? Well, for me, and I'll say this because I had been saying for a little while before they had even announced that it was going to be, I didn't think they were going to go with 2311. But I was like, well, oh, right, it'll be Jordan Hamlin Racing, if, uh, you know, uh, JGR support. And, you know, I just was just spitballing it because everybody else was saying, you know, that's probably what's going to end up happening. And then you see the press release come out and see the little teaser video. It's like, okay, this is arguably one of the greatest basketball players of all time getting involved in a sport. And, I mean, you know, we've seen him with Denny well before, you know, at least within the last almost 10 years because I think their relationship has been – you know, their business relationship is gone for like 11 years or so now. Um, and it was just like, well, I, I think it feels like a no-brainer. And especially uh, with Bubba's relationship. You know, they've had their issues in the past. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially after Daytona a couple of years ago, but they worked <laughs> that out. And uh, now to see a guy like Denny, who's a proven winner, who's just, uh, you, you can say just as, competitive as Michael Jordan is, you know, he hates to lose anything, whether it's a race, it's playing basketball or golf or anything like that. So uh, it was important for me. It gave me a reason to be hyped. One, because it's a new ownership group. It's new blood in the sport. And and you can say the same even for track house, especially when Pitbull came along. Those are moments where it's like, okay, now we're getting people that have heard about the sport, didn't think that they had an opportunity to be in the sport, say, okay, I'm here. You know, I'm going to put my money towards this, you know, and I'm sure, you know, there have been many, you know, musicians or athletes that want to get into racing, but they didn't feel like the time was right. But now, you know, now with NASCAR being more accepting of genders or different, uh, you know, uh, different, just uh, different things. They're able to, uh, they're able to show that uh, we're, we're open for business for everybody. If you got the money to do it, come along and do it. And when you get Michael Jordan involved, you must be doing something right. That's how I felt. Daryl? I don't remember where I was, but I know I was scrolling Twitter when the breaking news came out and I just stopped. I'm like, wait a minute. That's what I think it's what I think it says. And you, you start getting excited because, OK, here goes Michael Jordan joining up with Denny Hamlin, bringing Bubba Wallace, 
it's a much better situation than it's going to be in than with RPMs. You get really excited for that moment. And then it's the most rec- one of the most recognizable African-American figures buying a NASCAR team and starting a program. That's going to have a lot of outside the sport appeal, which it does. As we saw all the sponsors that came in with uh, Bubba's car, it's exciting because now it proves that what NASCAR has been doing to fix its image when it comes to race relations is working. And then you saw after that Pitbull coming with track house racing and Pitbull being serious about that team as well. They're putting some STEM initiatives together as well over there. So it's exciting to see this, not just minority ownership, but this important figures of the African-American community coming in and participating in NASCAR. Not only that, we've got to see Alvin Kamara come in and sponsor Ryan Vargas for a race. And then somehow he found out that he can own a team. So who knows what's going to go with that? Maybe we'll see Kamara in owning a NASCAR team at some point. So it, it was exciting then. It's still exciting now. And I just can't wait to see how this team develops. Was was the Kamara race, was that the Daytona Road Course? Or? Yes. Uh, was the Daytona yeah. Road yeah, it was. Because okay. I think it was within like the second lap that uh vargas i think i don't know if he blew the engine or he hit he hit something he, he returned to the race yeah i don't remember what it was but yeah he, he returned to the race i haven't yeah. heard i haven't heard kamara's name mentioned in relation to nascar since that race so I don't, so i don't know what's going on there um, yeah it feels like once you it's just like any sponsor that once you see a car kind of get dinged up wrecked up it's like uh where I want my money to go right now. And I mean, it's understandable, but I, I, I hope to see him back. He enjoys watching the races. So, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. But I'm sure probably if we get another, you know, whenever we get another Florida race, he'll probably sponsor again. So I would probably think maybe around Daytona, uh, you know, the, the uh, well, it's not the playoff cutoff race, but that, that weekend, I, I would say, Probably, uh, probably around then. Okay, so let's flash flash forward to uh, Sunday. Um, so since since last September, we've had a presidential election. Um, one candidate won, one candidate lost. Uh, one candidate had overwhelming support of the black community. The other didn't. Um, and then Georgia had had a runoff election. Uh, two candidates won, two candidates lost. Two candidates had pretty much overwhelming support of the black community. Um, and I believe it was earlier this month, uh, the state of Georgia passed a series of uh, very restrictive uh, voter access laws um, that are laws you don't pass after you've won an election. Um, and in the immediate aftermath of that, not pretty much the immediate ma- aftermath of those laws being passed, uh, Major League Baseball uh, moved the All-Star game from Atlanta to Colorado. Uh, that game was supposed to take place July 13th. Uh, two days before that is going to be the second NASCAR Cup Series race at Atlanta Motor Speedway of the season. And on Sunday, uh, during uh, media availability prior to the Taldega race, uh, in which uh, Steve Phelps was introducing a partnership with the Boys and Girls Club of America, which is great partnership i think that's a great thing all around uh Phelps was asked by jenna fryer of the associated press uh the, the following question 
about NASCAR's stance on uh, restrictive voter access laws in states in which it competes. Hey, Steve, um, as noted often, I apologize for the background noise. Um, as, as often noted, NASCAR took some um, bold steps with, um, with, with social justice and, and its positions over the last year. Um, there's been a lot of strict voting laws passed in, in states of late. Does NASCAR have a position um, on, on any of those laws, that some of them in states that NASCAR does race in? You know, Jenna, I think, you know, for us, and I just, I talked about it before about trying to do things, you know, we're going to be a sport that is bold. We're going to be a sport that is of action in the DE&I space and a subset of that being social justice. But we need to do it that's really consistent with our DNA, consistent with what's authentic to our sport. Um, I, I don't think that's an area that we are going to lean in. Um, I, I think that we can probably do a better job pushing the diversity, equity, inclusion, and some of the social justice issues uh, in, in places that, that are not, um, you know, kind of in that particular area. Doesn't mean it's not important, um, but I think that, you know, we're gonna, our whole message is, is going to be about not dividing. Ours is gonna be about bringing together. It's always gonna be about, about welcoming and, and being inclusive as a sport, whether you're at our facility or you're participating in some other fashion or engaging in some other way. Um, so as of now, the answer would be no. So, okay. Um, okay. You guys have heard the audio of that question. You've seen the transcript. Um, what is your assessment of what Steve Phelps said on Sunday in comparison to what he said on June 7th of last year? Ooh. Well, I'm glad that I've had some time between actually listening to it and then actually speaking because when I first read what he said, I was heated. And Daniel, the first time I was on the program with you, I mentioned now the real work begins because now people are going to be wondering, is NASCAR doing this for real or is it performative? And then we come a year later, and even before we get to those comments, the Derek Chauvin verdict comes out. Yeah. The year after, you know, you stop the cars, Steve O'Donnell gives that impassioned speech. You got the guy kneeling with the fist in the air on the pit row. You do all that. That's great. Every league and their mother released a statement on that. Didn't see one from NASCAR. Yeah. We did see one from Bubba Wallace and Ryan Blaney, though. None of the other drivers made a statement. Fast forward now with this voting laws thing. Let's be honest. These voting laws in Atlanta were made to disenfranchise black people. That's what's going on here. There was overwhelming black support for one of the candidates in the presidential election, which won them that state for the first time in, since Clinton. There was mm -hmm. overwhelming black support that won the two Senate seats in Georgia to flip the Senate blue, even though it's tied, it's 51-50 when you put in uh, the vice president yeah. that's currently in charge right now. That's what these laws were made to do. Major League Baseball took a stand. NASCAR did not. And when you want to come in and say, we're making a stand for racial equality, you have to go all the way in or not at all. So, Steve, I'm sorry. You've dipped your toe in. You can't dip your toe into this. OK, you've made this stance. Now you have to be about it, because let me tell you, and Phil will tell you the same thing. Black people know when folks are being performative. And as soon as we come in, when we find out you're not actually about it. They'll turn right back around and they will not come back. So 
this is their first big misstep, probably second counting the Chauvin case. They have to do better. And the teams have to do what I mean, and the drivers have to as well, because it makes no sense that a year on Bubba Wallace and Ryan Blaney, who's basically Bubba's best friend, so I don't even know yeah. if that counts, is the only one making statements about this type of stuff. Okay. I uh, feel you were nodding vigorously throughout mm-hmm. uh, Daryl's entire uh, speech there. So what what is on your mind? Yeah, I, and I'm a piggyback off of what Daryl just said. Um, it, it I've had time to think about it. I had about the same amount of time Daryl's had to think about it, and I'm still on that where it's like, okay, you just told us last year, hey, we're going to be this sport that's going to be progressive. We're going to say things. You know, we're, we're going to stand up for what's right. And, you know, we're going to wear our social justice on our sleeve. But then, you know, you come out and say, but we're not going to mention, you know, the voting bill. And and trust me, I, and Daryl knows too, uh, most of the people that are in that area in Georgia, especially where they're doing this, you know, where they're, they're stopping the souls to the polls type of uh, uh, work. Mm. They're doing these in urban areas, areas where they need that. But yet, what, three weeks ago, you come out with a video showcasing what you just said in Atlanta. But now all of a sudden, oh, no, no, we're, we're not going to talk about this. But yet you talk about what we're going to do with the urban racing school. You're talking about what you're going to do for the community. But yet all of these fans that may have just hopped in because they saw Bubba, especially, you know, you don't know how many times on Twitter I get people that are African-American that come up and say, hey, you know, I'm just getting into the sport. I'm liking it. You know, I, I, I like what I see. I'm liking hearing Bubba talk. But now you're saying to them, oh, well, you know, we'll talk about it in situations, but we're not going to stand up and and we're not going to stand up. Like you said, every other sport, even some of the non-major sports, had something to say about the Sheldon case. Crickets from NASCAR. Yeah. Other than Bubba and, and Blaney, but their crickets, they were loud because it was just like, you look at what they did last year for Bubba when the, uh, you know, Talladega incident happened. It's kind of like now, peel that back. And you might as well say it's just Blaney and Bubba walking down that, uh, you know, down pit road. And like Daryl said, you might as well not even count Blaney because that's his best friend. But you're doing this, you know, and the law is in an area, like I say, where it's the majority of urban areas. They didn't like the way the numbers looked in those areas. You know, they didn't like what Stacey Abrams did in those areas. What you're doing, you're creating a law, you're creating a, a, a situation where you're going to discourage people from going to the polls. And I can say it for here in the city of Baltimore, when we have gubernatorial elections, majority, the most times, you know, unless there's a strong Democratic candidate that we have or a strong, you know, and I, I, I can give credit to independents as well, it's going to go the Republicans' way sometimes. And just like the last few times, because people in Baltimore City, Baltimore, in some fringes of the county, they don't get out to vote because they feel disenfranchised. They feel like they're not being heard. They feel like, you know, somebody's not doing something for them 
and what does their vote mean? And that's basically the same thing that's going on in Georgia. You you get these people where they feel good with what they just did. You know, some were still on the fence, but they voted anyway. But now you're going to say, oh, if you don't have an ID, you can't vote. Oh, if you don't have this, you can't vote. Uh, no, don't hand out water. You know, I don't care what the temperature is. Uh, don't, you know, if the line is long, oh, should have brought snacks on your own. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's it's inhumane in a way. And for NASCAR not to say something, like that's two strikes against them, you know, and it it's unfortunate because it all happened within, what, a three-week period, you might as well say, you know, with the Chauvin thing. And then earlier in the month when Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game. Yeah. So they they're not, you know, they're they're in in the midst of getting ready to lose what they just worked for. So just just to give listeners a little taste of what the laws in uh down in Georgia. Um I, I wrote I wrote a column this week up on Frenchrich.com about this and NASCAR's um non-response to it. Um and here, here are three examples. Um, it is now illegal for election officials to mail absentee ballot applications to voter, period. A, there's been a dramatic double-digit reduction in ballot drop boxes in the Atlanta metropolitan area in times when, when voters would have access to them. Like these ballot boxes are now moved indoors and you can't really get access to them um, outside of work hours. So, um, and usually you would have 24 hour access to those same ballot boxes. Um, uh, and as you, you mentioned, Phil, um, uh, restructured early voting in a way to where it would, according to the New York times, be up to the, dis- the discretion of the local registrar on whether or not to open polls on Sundays, which would impact soul to the polls programs put together by black churches. Um, and they, it's done in a way to where it's optional, you know, uh, the, it, it's uh, and that's where they I, there's a lot of that in laws like this, where they kick up enough dust to where it's not. Oh, is this intentional or anything like that? So if but depending on who's in power at that registrar, if if who if you give them the choice, they might not give make the, the good choice that would allow maximum amount of voters. Um, and then. Uh, as you mentioned, the water fill, uh, it, it's now basically, I believe, a misdemeanor uh, to pass out uh, water or food to anyone waiting in line. And people will come back saying, oh, it's only a certain certain distance. But then a few few lines later in the laws, it says you can't pass it to, out to anyone in line. So um, it's, it's now a, a, a criminal offense in the state of Georgia to pass out food and water uh, to people waiting in line to vote and lines in the Atlanta area are notoriously long during when you're voting. So that, that is just a sample of, uh, what, what's been changed in the state of Georgia with this law. Um, so guys, when, can, can you guys give examples of things you've encountered in your own, your own adult life, uh, that reflect this kind of voter law change possibly? I can thankfully say that I haven't had to deal with anything like this, but that's just from where I live. I live in Prince George's County, Maryland. That's the most affluent African-American community in the country. And it's 80% of us. 
that look like me and Phil. The, this would not fly in this county if they tried what they're doing in Georgia. They would raise such a stink in Annapolis that it would get repealed the next day. It's unfortunate, though, what's happening in Georgia. And I understand they're targeting the areas that Biden won. And I'll just say who it was. You know, they're, he's the president now, Biden. So they can try to flip that state back in a couple of years and try to take those Senate seats back. And it's not going to work. You've already stirred those people up. Stacey Abrams is going to do what she must to protect that state and make sure that all those voters still get out. But it's disgusting what's happening there in that you lost an election fair and square. And instead of softening your image to appear at the very least more human, not, I don't even say more liberal, just more human in how you deal with people, just to make the laws more constrictive for no reason other than too many people of the wrong color voted. It's just ridiculous what's happening down there. Yeah, because, and, and to go off of Daryl's point, uh, where I'm at here in Baltimore, I'm in a county called... Uh, well, I guess it's, it's called Owens Mills. And basically, it's somewhat like Prince George's County a little bit. Uh, mostly urban. We do have a, a large Jewish population. Uh, but mostly, I haven't had an issue out of... Cause I've been voting since uh, 2008. So I can say the only thing I've really had to deal with maybe is when I do early voting, you know, a long line here or there or... If I was voting at the local elementary school, you know, the line might be all the way to the park a lot. But, you know, we thank well, you know, and in a way, you know, you feel for the people in Georgia or in other states where it's a majority red state. That, and that's the thing about Maryland. For most of it in existence, it's been a leaning blue state. Uh, you know, we've had Republican governors, Republican mayors, but... Most of the people, and because it's a somewhat of an urban city, uh, you know, we vote Democratic. That's why most times you don't see a candidate come to Maryland because they already know it's either going to go one way or the other. Yeah, I think the last time the state went for somebody else, I'm not even sure. It's either probably going to be Ronald Reagan or it's going to be George uh, W. Bush. I'm not sure. I can't even remember, but. Uh, you know, you know, I can say I haven't been, you know, asked for something crazy, like something more than my ID, but mostly that's because Maryland knows if, if they went and did something like that, they'd be marching, we'd be marching in the street. Uh, you know, there'd be people standing up to make sure that something like that didn't happen. And especially our sports team. Uh, they would make sure, you know, they would say, hey, we're not going to play another game here, you know, or, you know, we won't take the field. But, you know, I, I can honestly say in my, what, 12, 12 to 13 years of voting for anything, uh, we haven't had issues, but it, it's it's sickening. Like, like Daryl said, it is very sickening to see it because you feel for your brothers and sisters, and they make it twice as hard. And, and you know, and the thing is, we look at Georgia, but Georgia is the, the, the main thing right now, but who knows how many other states have that same thing in the play? Florida. Know? Florida's doing it right now. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Florida or, uh, you know, or places like probably Texas soon, eventually. Um, um, other southern states that saw population numbers rise as far as African-Americans that voted. That's where they're going to make it hard because, and this is the thing, and I'm glad I kind of thought of this towards the tail end of it, but this is the thing for people of color when they go to do something like voting for, or, you know, when they ask for ID laws for voting, most of our ancestors don't know where their birth certificates, you know, somebody that works for the DMV locally here, you know, I've heard, you know, we don't know where the birth certificate is. You know, there wasn't a birth record. A lot of the things that we go through is generational. And that's why it, it stings as much as it does, but it's why we're kind of built to expect it. And you hate to say that when, especially talking about Georgia, you know, this is a different and it, it, it's somewhat of a Jim Crow type thing. It's a new age Jim Crow. It's not, you know, oh, hey, you can't sit there. You can't go to the bathroom there. But it feels like that, especially when it comes to doing something that is your birthright. This is your given right as an American citizen to be able to vote. But they're not given that opportunity. And, and you know, something has to change in that respect. So I, I, I knew about problems the black community has with getting like IDs and stuff. I, I was not aware that it could come down to not knowing where your birth certificate was. That's that's something I was not aware of. I think bringing that up. So mm-hmm. you mentioned the bathroom bill, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, okay, so I'm glad you mentioned it earlier to, today so I could look it up. Um, for those of you not familiar, it was North Carolina's attempt to restrict uh, access to uh, bathrooms. Uh, and it was primarily targeting transgender people um and that law quick while it was on the books for a little bit it quickly became not on the books um and surprisingly at the time uh nascar came out against it um and brian france uh who was in charge of nascar at the time came out against it and um here's what he said at the time uh he was asked whether he believes nascar needs to take a position on law and france had said I do, and we did it in Indiana when similar discrimination, which were more religious, occurred. We take the, the, the position that any discrimination, unintended or not, we do not like that, and we are not. We are working behind the scenes, and we are not a political institution. We don't set agendas or write laws, but we express our values to policymakers. We will, and we do. We are clear about that. So the thing that stood out to me when I read that quote was that someone who knows that he and his industry has clout and is going to use it um, given that was in North Carolina, which is basically the NASCAR's um, headquarters for better or worse, even though they have, they they're really, you know, based in Daytona um, Phelps comments on Sunday d- didn't sound like someone had the clout. Um, that might be because it's, it's Georgia and NASCAR just has, you know, that one track, two events out of the year, that might be it, but it, he felt very um like he didn't have a lot of power to yield in that statement would would you guys agree i don't understand why he wouldn't i mean the sport was the sport was willing to stand up for a law in its own backyard because let's be honest north carolina is basically the team capital of nascar 
and we know that the corporate offices are in Daytona, but where all the teams and the Hall of Fame and the media stuff, that's in North Carolina. They're taking a big risk upsetting people by coming out and saying, hey, this bathroom bill sucks, and it did. But they did it anyway. What is Georgia really going to do to NASCAR that North Carolina or Florida couldn't? Which is more baffling that Steve O'Donnell didn't stand up more and say, we are not going to stand for these laws. If we were able to do it in the Bill France era, and there was a lot of things in that era with NASCAR that people did not like. The fact that Bill actually stood up and did, did that was a great thing. Well, commend right. him for that. Oh, Brian. Brian. Sorry, not Bill. It's okay. Wrong B. I apologize for that. <laughs> okay. But Brian France yeah. came out and said all that. Why couldn't we do that right now in a state that, to be honest, for the grand scheme of things, isn't as big for NASCAR as North Carolina or Florida would be? Mm-hmm. Bill? Yeah, so doing a little bit of research, and I kind of thought about it because you were saying, you know, NASCAR didn't want to step on toes because it's Georgia. Part of me makes me kind of think with, you know, Speedway Motorsports or, you know, SMI or whatever, uh, owning Atlanta, they don't want to step on Smith's toes down there. You know, I, I could see if Atlanta Motor Speedway said something, which they could have, you know, especially with what was going on. But, you know, I feel like they kind of tried to play hot potato and say, oh, okay, no, let's not, uh, you know, let's not say something. Let's just keep it, you you know, it it was just like, okay, you spoke on the bathroom. Could have at least said, Hey, we don't think that this is right. You know, we'll support anyone's uh, right to vote. But instead, just to say, Anna, it's something that we're not going to touch. That just, you know, it rings hollow now. Because, I mean, uh, and, you know, it's different. Like you said, it's Brian France that said that. Steve Phelps, different person. Are they maybe trying to distance themselves from what Brian, how Brian France felt about the sport? You know, or felt about things that was going on, maybe that could be a thing. But if you spoke up on that, why not speak up about this? You know, and I hate to say it, maybe if it went the other way, where they were trying, uh, you know, where where they were trying this during the last administration, you know, maybe they say something then. But now it's just kind of like, oh well, we'll just keep it to ourselves. But good luck to you, you know. Keep working at it, keep fighting for it, but don't involve us. And, you know, and, and the way that that extends kind of to race fans, it's kind of like, especially the newer African American fans that just got here, it's like, why won't you stand up for us? I mean, that's who it's affecting. And then you get people, Twitter, other places, just keep, you know, oh, read the bill. I don't need to read the bill to understand what's going on. Especially, you know, people in the comment sections, read the bill. That's not what this is. That's not what this, you know, we've always, you don't understand because you're not in the position where you need to. So, you know, it, it, it really kind of made me mad when I heard, you know, the statement. Because knowing what I knew about how they felt with the bathroom bill, that why not step up? 
or somebody that can step up for themselves. Yeah, I think what you're saying kind of really touches on why it's important for the leagues and just these public figures to to speak out on this stuff because the whole thing is set up so that they can push these voting restrictions with plausible deniability. Oh, it's not targeting black people. It's going it's targeting people that are trying to commit fraud. And here's this big elaborate scenario we've created, but you know th- that it's going to stop. But you know the actual real effects of it. You know, everyone knows what it is. You know, it's the whole thing of you know you, you target making it harder to stand in line to vote because you've already have restrictions in place that make metropolitan areas have longer lines because you restrict the amount of polling places they can have. Um, and so that's what you're seeing in Twitter and you know comments and stuff like that is all these people that all they need is that excuse to support it. And every single public figure that comes out and, and says, this is wrong, we need to fight against this, whether it's NASCAR or the NBA or the NHL or whoever, every single person, it puts more pressure on those people to find better you know, excuses until they can't anymore. And either they have to admit that they're wrong or they have to just like be honest with what they're trying to do. And also like bills, like what's going on in Georgia, that that affects every, that that can affect employees of those teams. It can employ employees of SMI of NASCAR. So um, to, for Steve Phelps to say that that it's important, but we're not going to lean into this is just d- denying how it can influence people who get paychecks from, from NASCAR SMI. And to say, we're, we're all about equity and stuff. What about equity at the, the, the ballot box? I mean, it's, they're, they're trying to pull in two directions at once and it's not, not working. Yeah. And, and, and like you say, it's affecting the employees. Like when decisions are made, especially like voting decisions, I'll say our local sports teams, like especially the Ravens, when something socially goes down, like, you know, the Chauvin or, uh, you know, Freddie Gray, that was a a big thing for us. Um, When those incidents happen, we're one of the first teams to speak out, you know, and I think shortly after everything that happened with Bubba, you know, we had a situation where they were, it was, it was some sort of, uh, I'd have to look it up, but basically everyone on the team wrote their senator. They actually, they didn't write their senator. They wrote to Mitch McConnell, basically telling them, I think it was something about voting as well, but it was just basically saying, you know, why all of this means so much. They're not just players. They're also people. And especially with SMI or ISC even too, uh, you have employees and even in our jobs, I'm sure I'm not sure about Daryl, you know, but, you know, some places, their jobs are like, they'll say, hey, we're going to make a statement, but we want to make sure that this goes with how you feel about it. NASCAR didn't, it was just like NASCAR wasn't going to, ask the people that work on the bottom rungs, you know, the ticket takers, the people that work the ticket offices, the people that work the concession stands, people that they hire, they're not going to, you know, ask them, how do you feel about this? And maybe that's where NASCAR is making a mistake. You know, they're not 
touching base with people that they work with, especially people of color that they work with. I'm sure, you know, a young kid that's, you know, working at Atlanta Motor Speedway, you know, 18, 19 years old, wants to hear his job stand up for him. But because of where they're at, it feels like, you know, it's just like an empty promise, you know, that they're going to stand up for them. And it's disappointing. Like Crow said, you know, they, uh, they, they're doing it in such a way where they make it harder for those of us in cities. And, I, and I'll even say that. Uh, the line was a little bit longer this year when we did do early voting because they closed a few of the early voting centers. And then when you went to do regular voting, they took, I think, two elementary schools off the list. So there was one where there were lines all the way, you know, up towards the road. And, and you know, it's just like, I don't know, you know, it feels like NASCAR should say something or should have said something. But at this point now, with it being almost a month after stuff has been announced, everyone else has done it, it's just kind of like now, oh, we're going to virtue signal. We're going to phone this one in. You had your chance to really make a point, but now if you do say something, it's kind of like, oh, well, now you're just doing it because everybody else did it. I, I yeah. think for me, I've, I've thought about it, and I think if you go back what happened at Talladega, how NASCAR handled the announcement that what happened in the garage happened and Steve Pelps coming out and calling that a hate crime before the investigation had even started. And then you have the, the backlash to that and how the whole story around it gets distorted in certain you know parts of the media landscape. And that gets trickles out into the NASCAR landscape. And that got, had egg, not just on Steve Phelps' face, but NASCAR's face. Um, that was the start of a backsliding of NASCAR, because after that, you have, uh, after the Indianapolis race, the, the next day, the day after that, you had President Trump tweeting about Bubba and ask, demanding that Bubba apologize for uh, to his fellow competitors, though he had nothing to apologize for. And we had to wait hours for NASCAR to put out a boilerplate um, statement that didn't nothing. It said nothing really. And then we just went on our merry way. And now then you have, like you guys said, the, the Derek Chauvin uh, verdict, every sporting uh, major sporting league in the, in the country. I don't think IndyCar did. Uh, so like NASCAR and IndyCar, uh, everyone, even the, the National Soccer Federation put out a statement. The, like the National Soccer Federation was the first one I saw. And that I was like, why? But then when everyone else did it, it was like, okay, I get it. Um, they, they do, they, NASCAR doesn't say a thing for that. And then you have this um, with, with felt statement um, on Sunday. It, it, I think it starts with what happened with how they handled Taldega and how that's, that they lost control of that. Um and that's, I think that's why we're where we are, where we are right now. I don't know if you guys just agree or disagree with that. The way I will put it, and you mentioned IndyCar didn't make a statement either. And I'll go talk racing generally, then come back to NASCAR. Racing entities cannot remain sitting on the sidelines when it comes to these sort of issues. The entire sport, unfortunately, 
has an air about it that it's a rich, mostly people that don't look like myself or Phil type of event. And if you want to bring more people that look like myself and Phil in, you have to say that, hey, we're for you, even if it means making you uncomfortable. And moving into NASCAR, yes, Steve Phelps did get out in front of the situation that happened last year a little bit too early. But that doesn't mean that you just curl up into a little ball and hide. Everyone knows what the Atlanta voting laws are designed to do, or the Georgia voting laws, excuse me, are designed to do. You can step out there and make the comment, even if you're going to get criticism, because you're going to get criticism. There's a certain subset of this country that doesn't like it when folks bring up that there are actual racial issues here, but you Mm -hmm. have to be able to confront it. Yes, you got into a little bit of egg on your face last year, but that doesn't mean when it's a clear situation this time, you don't make the statement. Yeah, and, and that's the first thing I thought, that maybe NASCAR was like, we're not going to say something because remember what happened with Bubba, we kind of made a fool of ourselves. And they didn't honestly make a fool of themselves. The, the way that things went out, they went and said what they needed to say. They thought that that was the situation at hand. I'll never fault them for that. I'll never feel like they got egg on their face. I'm happy that they did something about it, that they informed us what was going on, you know, that, you know, they didn't leave us in the dark and have us wonder about it, you know, for, you know, hear about it, you know, like a, a as a, like an urban legend that it may have happened or wait until a bigger news source got it. No, you know, they came out, they said, hey, you know, we saw this, we called called in people for that. And that was, it was, you know, it was important that they were being open and honest about it. But I guess in a way with how the FBI then came out and, you know, said there was, without kind of letting NASCAR get in front of it and say, hey, you know, we, you know, made a mistake in our findings or something like that. But for us to have to battle back from, like you said, uh, egg in the face situation, uh, I think it prevented NASCAR from wanting to do something again. But at the same time, like we stated earlier, you know, they got that video that they put out the first of this month yeah, uh, saying, you know, hey, we're going to do this for uh, urban areas, uh, you know, other initiatives. And uh, so it's kind of like, you know, we weren't afraid to stand up for that. And we saw, all of us saw how the comments went for that. So it's, you know, it's just like, you can't be selective in what you're doing. And especially just like you said, with uh, IndyCar as well. IndyCar hasn't, even when you know, they were talking about the Confederate flag stuff. And in a way, I, I can say, because the only IndyCar races I've been to in Baltimore don't have is people that believe in the Confederate flag uh, anymore, at least, especially with us being a northern state. But, um, you know, you don't, you know, you, you didn't hear them say anything. And they race at a lot of southern places. You know, they go to Texas. They go to, you know, the Midwest, places where you may see the Confederate flag more often. And for them to be quiet about everything, they don't take a stance on anything. And it's just like, 
you know, maybe now with Roger Penske being involved, maybe kind of pipe up about things, but they can't be quiet either. You know, they too have African-American fans. And sometimes you see more African-American IndyCar fans than you do uh, NASCAR fans for mostly that exact reason. But, you know, they, you know, every once in a while you need to be thrown a bone to say, hey, you know, we believe in you. We're happy to have you as a fan and we're going to stand behind you. But silence is just basically saying that you agree with what's going on.